Well, one of the options on the table at this point, somehow, is to rebuild the pack into whatever you could make it into. So what would that actually look like? And would it last? You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked on Pack 12 I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and mostly team-free conference of champions. And it's still beloved-ish while it's still kind of around. We'll talk about that. If you have not already, please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, Please and thank you, wherever you listen to or watch the show. Lots to get to today, including a couple of housekeeping items. I am making an amendment to one particular team's prediction. I know, I know, crazy, but the season hasn't started yet, so I withhold the right to alter my preseason predictions until the season actually starts. And the season's very close, by the way. We are 13 days away from Utah and Florida. (laughs) We're eight days away from USC and San Jose State. That's going to be a drubbing, but anyway... The Pac-12 conference is mulling its options right now, of which there are several for the schools that remain. Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State. Now, Stanford and Cal have been pretty openly trying to get into the Big Ten of the ACC. From what I have seen and been told by a couple of people, there might be resolution on that this weekend, but we don't actually know for sure. That's what a lot of the reporting is indicated that, oh, they're trying to make this work. They're, you know, Stanford and Cal are one vote short of the ACC. I I don't really think that it's going to drag out all the way into the season. Then again, I didn't think that about the Pac-12 media rights situation either. So here we are guessing once again. But one option that is available and very much on the table, not necessarily the most likely, but not necessarily the least likely either, is to try and rebuild the pack. You have four schools. The NCAA rules say you need to have at least eight to be considered a conference in the eyes of the rest of the country. Now, whether or not they would be a power five or autonomous five as they're referred to, which is, you know, an automatic birth to the playoff in 2024, I would doubt that, or a de facto auto birth, essentially. I doubt that would be in play. You know, you have to be a conference of at least eight to get an auto bid to the NCAA tournament for your conference tournament winner. So, All that sort of stuff, you know, aside, it's not going to be a power conference, whatever it is. But that doesn't mean it can't be a conference of sorts. So I am a huge fan of Parks and Recreation. I've watched it probably five or six times through. I'm a huge Ron Swanson guy, but the characters on that show are just great. I mean, Andy as Chris Pratt with Chris Pratt is fantastic. But of course, the character who drives the show is Leslie Nope, played by the very funny Amy Poehler. And one thing that Leslie Nope enjoyed doing when mulling a big decision was making a pros and cons list. And if a pros and cons list is good enough for Leslie Nope, it's good enough for you and it's good enough for me. So let's talk about the pros before we get to the cons. The pros of rebuilding the pack is that there are NCAA postseason units in addition to what's been dubbed an emergency fund of sorts and the Pac-12 network available to the league as assets. So that's what the league has from an infrastructure standpoint. 
You've, you've got all the elements to produce games, if you can find a media rights partner. You do have some money that's just waiting to be distributed either to the conference or to the schools. You do have four teams that we've seen compete at a Power 5 level for a long time. Some do so very successfully, particularly Stanford, but Oregon State is, of course, on the rise. We've seen Washington State flash every now and then. I'm not saying it's great or a power conference. The PAC stays as a power conference have been over since Oregon, Washington, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State all left a couple of weeks ago. That is when the league status as a power conference ended. Across the board, end of discussion. But if you're looking at creating a G5 league that is competitive with or better than the other G5s, there are a lot worse places you could start than Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, and Cal if you're talking in a football sense. You could start in a lot worse places. You could take those programs, put them in. Now, Cal's iffy, but you know you know me. I'm, a, I'm kind of a Cal stan, Homer fan here on the show, or at least I've become that going into this season, and I've not so subtly staked my reputation as a uh, football commentator on Cal getting to 500 this year, but yeah, that's a conversation for another day because it's overblown at best. But you look at those programs, any G5 conference you put them in, they're going to be one of the top teams in the league. So if you're putting together a conference that is going to be playing at that sort of level and you're telling me those are your headline teams, yeah, okay, you might have something there. So an option exists along that front. The NCAA postseason units, the emergency fund, the Pac-12 network, the schools that you do have, those are the pros. Now here are the cons. Rebuilding the conference does include the Comcast debt, which has to be paid off at some point in time. That probably falls falls under the... I, I don't know all the legality of that situation, to be honest with you, so I'm not going to sit here and speculate about it. But that's certainly a downside to it. Another downside is there is no media deal at this point in time. If the PAC is able to rebuild, there, there's, there's no deal, Right. There might be an Apple deal, but they'd have to renegotiate the dollar figures because it's not going to be worth even close to what it was before, which was start in the mid-20s and then with subscription numbers, get all the way up you know, past the ACC. Yeah, that's not going to happen when you bring in a certain number of G5 schools, but maybe they would be interested at the very least. I don't know. Are they still interested? We'd have to see. So that's certainly a downside. But here's honestly the biggest one that might be a hurdle, might not be. Stanford and Cal, if they were to stay, like you can't rebuild the pack with just Oregon State, Washington State. Stanford and Cal are the keys here. If Stanford and Cal end up going to the ACC, if they wear them down, if they you know get the extra vote that they need, or if they end up somehow getting an offer to the Big Ten, then it's done. Like you're not going to start from two schools. That, that That's just, I think, too much to overcome. I think four is like the bare minimum that you could start a conference with, which is essentially what they'd be doing. I don't know that you could really do it with two. But hey, maybe I'm wrong on that. However, the issue of building a conference that features Stanford and Cal essentially as two of your flagship schools in the conference is that their desire to stay is minimal at best. Because they have been lobbying to get into the ACC of the Big Ten for the last few weeks. And if those conferences were to say no to them now, what's to say those conferences are going to say no forever? And do you get the sense that if the pack got rebuilt, 
Stanford and Cal would feel differently about their commitment to the league versus the Big Ten of the ACC? Because I don't feel that way. I, I, I don't feel that way at all. And I imagine most of you don't. So you'd, you'd be basing your foundation of the conference on two schools who are ready to bolt at any time if the offer comes along. Now, the question would be whether or not by the time that happens, if, this is an if, let's say the Big Ten and the ACC say, nope, we're not adding Stanford and Cal right now. And Stanford and Cal are in the pack for at least a couple more years and they rebuild the league. If you rebuild the league with enough teams, I actually can amazingly see a world, I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but I can see a scenario in which the pack is able to survive after Stanford and Cal leave. It would further cement its status as a G5 league, but we already know that that's the case, right? It would perhaps get weaker if Stanford continues an upward trajectory on the recruiting front with Troy Taylor down there in uh, in, in Palo Alto and such. If they get built back into a perennial top 25, top 20 college football program as they were 10 years ago at this time. But if if you lose those two teams, but you have another group of teams that are in there, could it continue to exist? Possibly. I think that is entirely possible and I will tell you how. I'll also tell you that building a championship team is easier at eBay because that's the sort of championship team you build for your car. Because when you're building a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Just like a conference, you need teams and schools to be the perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right to put together that championship formula. That'd be high performance for your car or high performance for your conference. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure the part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage, look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay. Okay, had to just take a moment there to keep things going. The pack is going to try to keep things going as best they can. So what would that even look like? Now, here's the world that I was talking about. If the pack were to rebuild, my guess is that the plan, given the financials of leaving the Mountain West and the cost of that, first of all, Stanford and Cal would need to get off their academic high horses and be willing to just add whoever they can get to continue existing as a conference. But the path would look something like this. If you need eight schools minimum, you add four schools from the American, which just added a bunch of teams. You add four schools from the American for 2024. That keeps you as a conference for a year. And then so that you don't have to pony up even more money you know, whether that would be, uh, I, I don't even know where, where it'd be coming from necessarily for the, from the individual schools or if the conference would help out. Like, not sure how all that would go down, but it gets more expensive if you add Mountain West teams for 2024 because the Pac-12 dragged their feet on this for so long. However, if you add four American schools and you have the minimum number, which is eight teams for 2024, 
Then you can add four Mountain West schools for 2025, and suddenly you have a 12-team league. Is it a G5 conference? Yes, absolutely. But at least it would be a conference, and at that point in time, if you had a 12-team league, and it existed as such for two years or three years or whatever it would be, and then the ACC or the Big Ten decided to add Stanford and Cal, and you subtracted them, and you suddenly had a 10-team league, sure, I could see it existing. I don't know if it's likely or possible. I don't know where everybody else would be. SMU's trying to get in the ACC right now as well. They have former President George W. Bush advocating on their behalf. So I think that if they were to pursue that option, though, if, if, the, if the ACC and the Big Ten say Stanford and Cal, nope, we're not adding you, then the four teams you would add for 2024 would be SMU, Tulane, and then some combination of other American schools that might feature outside-the-box ideas like Memphis or USF. I could see Rice being in the mix. Those would kind of be your top targets there. If I were the pack, I would say Memphis and USF. Rice is new to the American Conference, so that would be your ideal scenario. And then you would start to be playing the geography game, which is what everyone's doing. And that would be your league in 2024. Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State, SMU, Tulane, let's say Memphis and USF. And then, and look, I understand there are difficult things to figure out with the financials and the travel and all that sort of stuff, but these are the options that are available. They're not great. They're not home runs, but that's what's on the table for the pack at the moment. It's, you know, we're, we're in the intensive care unit here and we have been for the last couple of weeks. And then in 2025, you would add San Diego State, Boise State, Fresno State, and probably Colorado State. They've got a good amount of money, Denver market, geography works, all that sort of stuff. So if Stanford and Cal were to leave the league afterwards, tell me why this couldn't be a G5 conference going forward. Oregon State, Washington State, SMU, Tulane, Memphis, South Florida, San Diego State, Boise State, Fresno State, Colorado State. It's kind of a fun conference. I got to be honest. It's not the conference that I would like for the pack to be one day, but that actually sounds kind of fun. So that's how I think it could uh, it could potentially stay together. A couple of housekeeping items here. Uh, first of all, I'm making an amendment to a preseason prediction I made earlier. I am not feeling that banking on USC to lose the Pac-12 title game is the way that I think they'll miss the playoff necessarily. So based on how the betting markets have interpreted particular matchups and the way I already felt about certain games, I am amending my USC prediction from 11-1 down to 10-2. I think they're a very good 10-2. I still think they're the Pac-12 favorite. They'd probably be my pick to win the Pac-12 at this moment as an 11-2 football team. I think they'll lose at Oregon. That'll be a tough game. I could also see them losing to Washington or Utah at home, but they're not going to lose all their tough games. But Notre Dame is the one that I am flipping here. So I think the Trojans still end up in the Pac-12 title game going 8-1, but I'm pulling them back to 10-2. Is it mostly just a feeling? Hmm, Yeah, it kind of is. But I also looked and I saw, oh, that's weird. USC's uh, not not favored the way I thought they would against Notre Dame. It is in South Bend. And Notre Dame, eh, you know, you got Sam Hartman. You're going to be better at the quarterback situation uh, than than Notre Dame was a season ago. So I'm just kind of upping the Irish a little bit, not necessarily pulling back on the Trojans. It was going to be a go-either-way game regardless. 
So I think USC ends up 10 and 2, 8 and 1 in Pac-12 play. Um, by the way, here's another here's the other housekeeping thing before we get to uh, uh, <laughs> an interesting question to say the least. Technically speaking, we had this uh, lottery game that we played here on the show, which was everybody play pin the tail on the donkey for when the Pac-12 media deal is going to be unveiled. It hasn't been signed, obviously, and may never get signed if the conference just completely dissolves and falls apart and whatnot. But technically speaking, the deal was initially presented to the conference presidents on August 1st. And man am I word that I am. I said I would give a special shout out to whoever correctly guessed the date and you were all sending me dates via YouTube comments and Twitter and whatnot and sometimes people didn't get the dates they want because someone else had already taken it. But August 1st was technically the date that it got presented. It was the Tuesday of that first week in August. I just want to double check that real quick that I wrote it down correctly. But yeah, it was the Tuesday, the first week in August that it technically got presented. And so then everything unfolded after the fact. And there was a change to it, but you know it went from twenty three to twenty five million dollars guaranteed. But then that still wasn't enough. And then August first was still the day where I was like, okay, well that's the first time we actually had a deal put in front of the presidents. So I would like to congratulate my man Damien, who I believe is an everydayer out there. Damien picked August first as his day, and guess what, Damien, you sir were correct. We had a lot of different entries. I, I had here are the dates that were picked for this particular contest. I love your guys' enthusiasm for this sort of thing. I thought it was fun. July 28th and the 31st. August 1st, 2nd, 4th, 5th, 7th, 8th, 10th, 11th, 12th, 14th, 15th, uh, 16th. Oh, sorry, I put 15 and 16 twice on there. Whoopsie daisies. 17, 18, 21, 22, 23, 31. August 24th. August 25th, August 30th, September 1st, 11th, 21st, 2nd, uh, October 2nd, 4th, 29th, 17th of November, and then December 14th, December 15th, March 4th, and March 12th. All those dates got sent in. I didn't tally them up. I should have, but it was a lot. And so I'm glad you all enjoyed that game as much as I did. Congrats to Damien. This question came in from one of you who tune into the show regularly, GL Perez 77 YouTube comments and Twitter, both great ways to send in mailbag questions. Instagram DMs can also work, but at Smalls underscore 55 on Twitter, that's the most surefire way to reach me, get a question answered here on the show. He asks, this was via the YouTube comments, Hey Spencer, do you think if Stanford and Cal could add Air Force, Navy, and Army in football, would that move the needle in TV revenue? Travel would make this more of a fantasy than reality, but wanted your perspective. Thanks. So... Travel would definitely be difficult. Uh, Air Force, feasible. I mean, Air Force, What, frankly, when I was talking about potential Mountain West teams that uh, that the league could add, yeah, I'd throw Air Force in there. That's certainly a cultural fit with, with what uh, Stanford and Cal are kind of looking for in terms of association as a university. But... The service academies, it gets really difficult. I, I'm not I'm not opposed to them on a football level. Air Force had a really good team last year. They went ten and three. They beat multiple power five opponents. I know they beat uh uh Colorado and sorry, I'm trying to type and talk at the same time and I'm not as good as it as I would uh like to be, but uh, they ended up 10-3 and three last year. They beat Colorado. They thumped them 41-10. to 10. Now, Colorado was, of course, terrible, but still, it was a Power 5 team. 
And then they beat, who was the other team that they beat? Oh, they beat uh, Baylor in the Armed Forces Bowl. But again, a power five team. They beat them by two touchdowns. I mean, they beat San Diego State last year, Colorado State, Thump, New Mexico. I mean, like, they had a really, really good season last year. And their head coach, Troy Calhoun, has been there for a long time. Guy knows what he is is doing. But the service academies just get tricky because then the government and the Pentagon is somewhat involved. And it's unclear whether or not they would want the teams to be at the Power 5 level for football because then it can just become bigger than just a football team that is of the service academy. And I, I think that's kind of the concern there is like, eh, I don't know if we want to, you know, wade into those waters. We're content to just play at, uh, at, at the G5 level, you know, Navy's in the American air force is in the mountain West. I think that's probably the best place for them. Uh, I don't think it moves the needle a ton. You know, there are definitely smaller brands that that have been considered or mentioned in conference realignment than the service academies. No doubt about that. But overall, I, I would say that that's, uh, like you said, more fantasy than, than reality. And I, I don't think it moves the needle in a huge way to where it, you know, would, would get the sort of consideration to be, you know, a lifeline of sorts for the pack. All right, let's talk about football. Let's talk about those Colorado Buffaloes. So it's year one for Deion Sanders, and it's the only year he will ever coach in the pack. Boy, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? Their win total is three and a half, for those of you who didn't know. That makes a lot of Colorado fans unhappy. Some people are uh, a little... Some people think that's too high. Some people think it's too low. Some people, like me, think it's just right. We all remember Goldilocks and the Three Bears. There's the porridge that's too hot. There's the porridge that's too cold. There's that porridge that's just right. And three and a half with with Colorado's schedule feels just right. Now, context on the Buffs' schedule here. If they had the schedule of, say, a UCLA or an Oregon State or a Washington State, just as an example, they would have a higher win total because... They have not brought in all the talent they need to be a good team. They still have more talent at certain skill positions than many, many teams at the G5 level and several teams at the Power 5 level. Spencer, why'd you mention the G5 team? Because last year, I think they were less talented than most G5 teams. Okay, maybe not most, but a lot of them. I watched them play a good Mountain West team. Like I mentioned earlier on the show, they played Air Force. It wasn't close. Okay? It was not close. They were a bottom-level Pac-12 team. They would have been under 500, I think, in just about any conference you could have put them in. Like, it was terrible. But guess what? It's not like that anymore. They've brought in 50 transfers, which we've never seen before. But when you add in a Travis Hunter and a Shador Sanders... And you look at a lot of the other pieces they brought in. I don't think they have one of the best rosters in the pack. I don't think they're even top half. But they're not last. They're not bought. I take Colorado's roster over Stanford's. Absolutely. And I think your win total factors into what your schedule looks like. It has to, right? Because not all schedules are created equal. As Josh Pate says, you are not what your record says you are. Those are two different things in college football. What you are and what your record is. Those are two very different things a lot of the times. Now, what you are is indic is ir- your record can be indicative of what you actually are as a football team. That's the way that I was trying to phrase that. 
But that doesn't mean that it's everything. It doesn't tell the whole story. And it's the same way with win totals. I think they could have a win total of four and a half, maybe even five even if they had an easier schedule. But guess what? Their schedule is really, really hard. So I don't suspect that Colorado is going to be a 500 football team this year and make a bowl game. I think they'll be vastly improved from a year ago, not just in their win total, but another thing to watch for is can they be more competitive and can they beat a good team? The only team they beat a year ago was a 4-8 and eight Cal team. That's it. And it's the only game I thought they would win. It's the only game they ended up winning. So when you look at what defines success for Colorado this season, if you're a Buffs fan listening to or watching this, you have to think about not just how many games you win, but how many games are you competitive? Because after, the, you know, or sorry, aside from the Cal game and the Arizona State game, was Colorado competitive in that many games last year? Yeah, not really. Like, it, it was just never really close in a lot of these games. So, context matters. Now, let's get to my record prediction. They open at TCU. They're a 20.5-point underdog. I am sorry, Colorado fans. You are not winning that football game. Now, week two against Nebraska is different. You have a better chance there. I'm taking Nebraska to win the game because I think Matt Rule at this point in time is a more proven coach than Deion Sanders at the Power 5 level. And I say that incredibly scorching hot take because Deion Sanders has coached zero games at the Power 5 level and Matt Rule has coached dozens. Now, is Nebraska going to be a great team? Nope, I don't think so. But they're coming into Boulder for Deion's home opener. It's going to be big noon for the second week in a row. And guess what? Nebraska is about a nine, nine and a half point favorite. And look, I am strongly considering for that week already putting the buffs in the Pac-12 prime picks because they are going to come out with their heads on fire for the first home game under Coach Prime at Boulder and with all the Big 12 backdrop and everything like that. But I think they're going to lose that football game. They will, however, most likely beat Colorado State, who's been a bottom dweller in the Mountain West for quite a long time, despite being fairly well-funded as, as a program. Colorado State has beaten Colorado before. Not this year. Not, not, not in Boulder. So that'll be win one for Deion Sanders. Now, conference play starts about as difficult as it possibly could if you're, if you're the Buffs. I don't know how much tougher of a back-to-back stretch you can have than at Oregon and then hosting USC. That's going to be another 0-2. So I think the Buffs start 1-4. and if they, if they find a way to start 2-3, and three, that would be a successful season in and of itself. I think they're going to win more than two games, but not that many. They then go on the road at Arizona State. Now, this is a winnable game. This is a very winnable game for the Buffs. I don't think they're going to win it because I think Arizona State has got a first-year head coach that's brought in some talent. But this game being, if you put this game in Boulder, I'd probably take the buffs. But you're putting it in Tempe. And sometimes that's what it comes down to. Who's the home team? Look at USC and Utah last year. When they played in the regular season in Salt Lake City, it was an awesome game in Week 7. USC was 6-0. and Utah was 4-2, and but in the top 20, they were coming off a loss a week or two prior to UCLA. If Utah had played that game, in Los Angeles, and not at Rice-Eccles, they do not beat the Trojans. But sometimes that's what it comes down to. It comes down to. It's college football. And in any sport, that's the way it is. Home field advantage, very real thing. So I'll go with Arizona State there. But they come back home, and I think this is going to be where Buffs fans start to really, really drive up the hype train for Coach Prime in year one. 
Because they come back home and they play a Stanford team that I think is the worst team in the pack. And I predicted earlier on a previous episode of this show to go 0-9 in Pac-12 play and 2-10 and on the season. That includes this game in full, at Folsom Field. I think Colorado has a more talented roster than Stanford, more explosive playmakers. I like what they have at the quarterback situ or at the quarterback position better. Boy, I'm stumbling all over the place tonight. I just got too much energy. I'm way too ready for the season. Anyway, I think they beat Stanford. Then here's where it gets fun. You ready for this one? I'm throwing you a bone here, Buffs fans. A lot of people see me out there as a Colorado hater, and you know what? You call me whatever you want, but I'm calling your biggest win of the year. I also think it'll be your last win of the year, but your biggest win of the year after that Stanford win, feeling good, riding high, walk into UCLA and surprise the Bruins. We have upset wins in this conference every single year, every single year. UCLA, as a matter of fact, lost to Fresno State in 2021. They shouldn't have, but they did. They lost to UCLA last year. They shouldn't have, but they did. And I think that loss for them this year is going to be Colorado. I'm taking the buffs to pull that upset. And we see big, people hear this stuff. I think Arizona is going to beat Utah. And it sounds crazy. But guess what? Last year, Arizona State beat Washington. If anybody had said that, Stanford beat Notre Dame. It's just the pack way. Crazy games happen. Bleep happens, you know? So at UCLA, I think that's a win. But from there on out, I think it's four straight L's to end the season. Now that Arizona game... And at Washington State, those are the best opportunities to win. But after UCLA, it's Oregon State at home. Beavs are too good of a football team. That won't be a repeat of 2021. Arizona, that's a winnable game at home. I don't think they're going to win it because I like Arizona. But that's a game where you say it's not out of the realm of possibility for, for Colorado to win that football game. Then they go at Washington State in Week 12. Well, I mean, their 11th game, but Week 12... That's their that that's that's just a really tough place to play. I don't see him pulling that off. Wouldn't be impossible, but I I think Washington State wins that one, and then they end the year with Utah. And yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's gonna happen. So overall, I've got the Buffs two and seven in Pac-12 play. I think there will be two teams beneath them in the standings if you were to go one through twelve. I think ASU goes one and eight in league play with their one win being over Colorado. I think Stanford goes zero and nine. So I think the Buffs finish the Pac-12 and they're. Only season with Coach Prime at the helm in the pack before they go to the Big 12 in 10th place, 3-9 and nine overall. And guess what? When you won one game and were mostly uncompetitive a year ago, if you win three and you're competitive in a couple others, that's a successful season. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. That'll be on Monday. Have a great weekend. And until then, have a wonderful rest of your day.